0: Hello everyone, this is Giulio Coraggio, location head at the Italian office of uh, the law firm DLA Piper. Uh, I'm here with uh, Lucas Nardi. Lucas Nardi is Global Data Protection Officer at the business unit dedicated to consumers' healthcare at Sanofi. Sanofi is one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world. Luca, Thank you very much for accepting my invite. It's really a pleasure having you
1: here. Thank you for having me here, Giulio. It's uh, my pleasure, definitely.
0: Luca, we have been working uh, during your previous experiences together. Uh, The first question that I normally address to our guests is to give um, a bit of uh, a context of their career. And then uh, uh, the last question is gonna be, uh, what you would recommend to the new DPOs and to the young guys that want to get into this career. But just uh, give us a snapshot of um, what you've been done
1: so far and how you reached this uh, role. Sure. Well, I, I think I should start saying that uh, over the years, there have been several changes of directions that led me now to work in the field of uh, data protection, I could not imagine uh, before. Because after graduating in physics, physics, I began my career at at Team, which at the time was one of the leading IT service providers in Italy, and I worked on quality systems and IT processes for customers mostly in the automotive industry and from Turin, so Fiat. Becoming familiar uh, at the time with complex uh, multinational organization, And uh, this experience then became useful when in 2002 the United States passed the Sarbanes Oxley Act. Uh, so I worked with, uh, again, automotive customers and also telecommunication with Vodafone Global to improve their IT processes and implement internal controls to achieve and maintain their SOC certification. At that stage, I started developing my interest for information security. And in 2008, I stopped being a consultant and I joined the Fiat uh, and the information security team of the Fiat Group Automobiles. And there is the moment in which I had my first little experience in privacy, although it was out of my scope of responsibility. And then what else? after a couple of years, I became head of information security at CNH as uh, so that was a big leap. Uh, uh, so a global leader in the agriculture and construction I keep a steel Fiat group, uh, if we if we want to uh, give, a let me say, a location of that. So that experience was really, really formative, of course, because it allowed me to expand my understanding of business processes and to develop my managerial sort of skills. Then when CNH, Iveco and Fiat Powertrain 2013 merged into CNH Industrial, I became head of ICT security risk and compliance. And that's when personal data protection became one of my priorities. Also, because at the time the company didn't have uh, a dedicated uh, privacy function, so the responsibility was somehow distributed between IT security and legal department. Mm-hmm. But then GDPR. So in 2017, in the aftermath of the approval uh, of the uh, GDPR, CNH Industrial finally established a privacy department within the compliance function. And I was lucky enough to be appointed as the global privacy officer. So I served as head of privacy at CNH Industrial for an incredible six years until April uh, 2023, uh, when I joined Sanofi, which, as you said, is one of the top global pharmaceutical companies uh, with the role of global privacy units for a business unit, uh, which is the Consumer Healthcare BU uh this business unit meanwhile uh, started its own uh, part of autonomy uh, which was announced uh, officially a few months ago and so it will become soon an independent company we don't know yet but not earlier than the last quarter of this year so exciting months ahead <laughs> absolutely I find very interesting that you have, uh, well, you
0: were graduated in physics, uh, then uh, you worked in ICT and now in uh, uh, privacy. And uh, how would you um, consider, what is the most relevant component of your background that can help you as global uh, data protection officers? Because you, are a, you have a technical background that, that and then has been enriched by uh, gender understanding or legal concept. And all is happening in a period of very um, uh, fast digital transformation. So what do you think are the biggest challenges for a DPO in a period like the one where we are now?
1: Well, if, if I look at the background, I think that... But if I look at what I studied, physics, and also uh, then the, the job that I took, uh, I, I think what uh, was really relevant for me was the possibility to see at any step of my career a large array of uh, company process or business process and how they interconnect. And uh, I mean, with the study that I made, uh, let me say that gave me the ability to make abstract models, (laughs) to to try to simplify what is not simple at all. Uh, So that that is, I think it was my, it's part of every activity I was done. So I've never been in a business department, but always in a staff department supporting multiple business processes. So anyway, coming to your other question uh, about the challenges, I think that uh, in the pharmaceutical industry, we have both common challenges, common to every industry and some specific one. Uh, I I would say that the common challenges are prevailing. So, of course, harmonizing practices across the diverse jurisdiction in different countries, especially for multinational companies like like Sanofi, is a challenge that is common to all industries. And uh, we all know how difficult it is to build a unified and robust approach, uh, also because these legal frameworks uh, are constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. And in, uh, in nowadays, we, we need, of course, constant vigilance over uh, the uh, increasingly sophisticated cyber threat. And again, in the, se- in the pharma sector, this vigilance is even more critical as uh, on one hand, the potential impact on society and vulnerable groups of people could be heavy. And on the other hand, because our sector receives a special attention from both cyber criminals and also individuals driven by social concerns or ideological motivation. So that, that's an attention point. But these are not the only concerns. Uh, we have the data democratization and, uh, and shadow IT, which are also phenomena that we need to understand and govern from a privacy standing point. So. Like in any other industry, it's essential to cooperate with our business, try to integrate uh, with other problems as well, such as cybersecurity, data governance. And so, this integration is something that is necessary to strengthen our defenses and ensure that the protection becomes part of the culture, because otherwise, the data privacy team cannot guarantee compliance alone and uh, as a sort of report. Uh, so. From this point of view another challenge is that we need a continuous expansion of our skill sets this is a challenge but i believe one of the great privileges of our job now that we can still always have to learn uh, so we cannot stay we cannot stay in our comfort zone tomorrow there is ai not about today there is AI. tomorrow we'll see i don't know Nano computing will affect privacy i don't know <laughs> so yeah on top of this of course and i, I think that's why you asked me the pharmaceutical industries Faces additional challenges because we deal with highly sensitive health related data, and so which comes with unique responsibilities. No? So we must find the right balance between advancing research and maintaining the strict confidentiality which is required by the healthcare sector standards. No? So, uh, if I may add one last point, I don't know if it's a challenge also here, but the pharma industry, uh, of course, plays a key role in providing. Medication, drugs, and therapies that may save or improve the life of the individual, and when it comes to um, patients and consumers to welcome these advances, they must trust our companies. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, privacy is not the only element, but in order to build this trust relationship, uh, uh, also privacy is paramount.
0: Yeah, I, I find that uh, fascinating when you said uh, on the cyber threat because maybe. Uh, people don't really understand that um, in the uh, for a cyber criminal, criminal the health related data have a value that is considerably mm-hmm. higher than uh, the data of a consumer, and therefore you are a potential victim that is much more valuable for cyber criminal. And uh, uh, obviously, this is connected to the last point that you mentioned the potential reputational damages in terms of loss of trust by by the patients that are going to use your products, but also by the uh, national healthcare systems that are going to buy your uh, products makes the potential negative impact for a business like yours massively bigger than it would be for a normal B two C company that um, as uh, is in the consumer in consumers field. So that uh, makes your business even uh, more tricky because um, uh, reducing to nil the risk of a cyber attack is almost impossible. So you need to show that you've done what you were meant to to do. Uh, Luca, you mentioned obviously AI and uh, we cannot uh, run a podcast without speaking about uh, uh, AI. (laughs) I know that you have a very uh, peculiar perspective on the fact that AI needs to be tackled. It cannot be just in a word, but how are you tackling AI in a market um, which uh, needs AI? comes to my mind, for instance, uh, the potentials of synthetic data that can make um, uh, clinical trials much faster or um, the development of a new uh, pharma that uh, can become, uh, as we've seen during the pandemic, uh, um, much uh, more efficient. So how is your business reacting to that?
1: Because any any opportunity is a risk. Of course, exactly. So, but well, and and as as you say, the opportunity risk—it's a matter of balance, no? And navigating the balance between the use of AI to advance research and healthcare, personalised healthcare uh, if possible, and ensuring data protection compliance is not easy, of course. Uh, These algorithms are inherently complex, and the decision-making process can be opaque. So. From this tending point, uh, uh, because the algorithms also may enlarge large large amounts of data and and to gain insight, uh, it's important to understand and ensure transparency on how they operate. So, uh, a first element for tackling these is learning. Now, we cannot just speak about buzzwords privacy professionals and and in our company this is there is a program for us I mean we we are uh, actively investing uh, uh, time and, uh, our time to learn and to become as much as possible more accessible of the technicalities uh, of these uh, of these tools Th- that's that's uh, inevitable um, you can you cannot really understand and handle risks if you don't understand how these things work and, and we all know that it's complicated so depending on the different background that may be, more or less, it's it's in any case challenging for uh, for people doing avajo. So, uh, patiently working with colleagues that's uh, that's an important thing to do. But we need to learn, no, understand how the things uh, uh, how these things work. So then, furthermore, the evolving nature of AI technology is uh, <laughs> frequently outpacing existing regulatory frameworks. No, uh, the, not that it's, just, it's not just a matter of the technology evolving. Uh, so if we always have to learn about the technology. But also we have to learn about uh, frameworks and also consider that the the technology may overcome them. So it's an ongoing challenge to keep up with these developments and implement robust data protection measures to meet the expectation of regulation in a way that the dynamic nature of uh, AI allows, uh, sorry, to deal with this dynamic nature of AI. Because uh, we must be flexible, the approach must be flexible to ensure that the practices not only meet the current standards, but also are adaptable to future possible changes.
0: Yeah, so uh, basically the point that you raised is uh, that uh, I cannot say to my to the employees of my organization, don't use AI, because that would uh, put uh, your business out of market basically. Uh, because this is unfortunately the response that um, some companies are, Uh, addressing because they say, I don't know how to deal with that. So in the meantime, let's prohibit that. Uh, You cannot afford that because of the type of business, uh, uh, but I don't think any business can afford it. So let's uh, put in place some policies and procedures. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, if I don't uh, create uh, also an education on how to use AI in a compliant matter, uh, manner, then uh, uh, any policy, any internal rule is
1: going to be meaningless. Yeah, if I can, if I can comment on what you just said, I totally agree with you. I mean. As I said before, uh, in my previous professional life, I was uh, head of security and, and I learned <laughs> easily and quickly that you, you cannot prohibit things. No, I mean, uh, there are, there is really no way to prohibit your user to do something that is helpful to them and help them to make things faster. They will find a way to circumvent you. And it, it's much better to sit together, understand what they need to do and try to, uh, a good way, a good compromise for doing things safely, and in, and in compliance so when it comes to um to the use of ai uh, i think that the, the the key words are responsible and ethical use you now so working on these elements so creating uh committees like it's done in it was done in Etsanofi by our chief privacy officer so creating these kind of committees uh, with the representative of legal, representative of uh, digital business function, and, of course, privacy helps us to make all together responsible decision about the use of AI. Is it necessary? Is, going, is it going to bring benefits? Is it going to hurt anyone? Let's make a decision balancing these uh, elements. If we have doubts about the ethical use, let's all on for a moment uh, if we are if we are fine with that if we believe that the use is not hurting anyone not likely to hurt anyone not likely to hurt the environment not just the people so as i said it's a matter of ethical and responsible use let's move on
0: absolutely and all this is happening in a post-pandemic period i i i, I do believe that um, uh we all of us heard during the pandemic uh, uh comments uh from politicians saying uh privacy doesn't exist because they were kind of emphasizing that um the uh health of uh, all the population had to become more relevant than uh privacy compliance now we're fortunately no longer in a situation of emergency but um, How do you ensure that uh, the advancements in uh, uh, technology that turn into advancements in uh, potential uh, pharmaceuticals for um, that uh, uh, cure people, uh, all this is done uh, properly, uh, protecting uh, the privacy rights of individuals without just saying, look, the
1: Goal justifies the, anything I do. Well, as I said, if, the, if that is the point and also uh, how we guarantee, it's, uh, of course, in, in, a, in a moment in which every every element of the society is still on a learning curve about how to use these uh, these tools. The, the, the In my opinion, the only way to do that is... Uh, um, let me say, work in a collaborative way with people with different uh, skill sets and with different minds, but still having this kind of uh, uh, north star in responsibility in uh, in using uh, these data-driven technologies and ethical choices. Of course, there is an impact for us, you know, also on also the role that we play on that. Clearly,
0: yeah. We are. Uh, we have to do a lot of advocacy, I believe, during this uh, period of time. Yeah. Uh, but last question, Luca. You had uh, a, a, a brilliant career. I'm sure your future career will be even uh, better. What would you recommend to the young guys that uh, are fascinating, uh, fascinated by privacy compliance? They want to start this career. Well, you've done a, a long journey to, <laughs> to reach where you are now. But can you give uh, some tips to uh, people that just finish uh, finished the university or they are in their 20s uh, and want to uh, reach a, a goal, uh, a role like yours?
1: Oh, well. Uh, I'm not going probably to share any 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 secret or anything very original, but as we said just before, keep learning. So stay abreast of the evolving data protection regulation, but not only that, the technological advancement and the industry best practice. Now, so. Then uh, but this is it is part of my this is something that uh, worked for me uh, so yeah. it's, my suggestion is cultivate a holistic and multidisciplinary approach. So try to understand you know, the intricacies of the in this case pharmaceutical industry, from research and development to healthcare deliver uh, because this perspective will enable you to integrate data protection into the diverse processes and promote a culture of compliance responsibility, which is, the only way that will ensure to your organization uh, a solid level of compliance. It's not something that you can guarantee alone with your team, uh, regardless of how big the team is. Then communicate openly and clearly. This is uh, also very very important. So learn to do that uh, because effectively communicating the principle of data protection to diverse stakeholders is crucial. Uh, be objective, clear, be objective, honest, clear and direct when you evaluate and explain risks. So do not cry uh, wolf, uh, do not exaggerate, but mm-hmm. do not also underestimate. This is important. Speak the business language, not the privacy language. Uh, do not speak legalese, and act as a as a business partner. You now, so data protection is a collaborative effort. We say that, I don't know, countless number of times in these twenty minutes. So build strong relationship with your business unit, with IT, with legal, to ensure that you all go in the same direction and that you have a unique approach now to, 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 the, to, the, to, the, to the business the challenges, no? which also embeds privacy, but privacy is not the objective, it's one of the many things that we have to uh, address. And, and if I allow me one more, but yes. I probably the more important, stay ethical. So recognize the ethical dimension of data protection so don't forget. So have clear what are your uh, your values. Make committed your principles, and always be clear about the boundaries between what is an acceptable and unacceptable risk. Yeah, I, I
0: really love the the concept of a collaboration because sometimes the data protection officer and in general privacy professionals are seen as blockers. While we need to find solutions, because obviously the business needs to the business, uh, a balance can be found, and this is
1: part of our job. Uh, if you if you act as a someone blocking the activities, you will just cut yourself out of the conversation. So you and they, have-
0: they will try to bypass you, which is even uh, more dangerous
1: for the business. Uh, right, they will succeed in bypassing you. <laughs>
0: Luca, this chat has been fascinating. Uh, I'm sure there will be other opportunities to discuss. I thank you for your time and uh, I wish you all the best.